0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's also co-author with Nancy Lottridge-Anderson of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. When you eat and where you eat can contribute to your expenses. So today we've got some tips coming up from Time.com and Money Magazine to help you cut eating out costs and other costs in 2019. But we're always here, too, as well, to take your personal finance questions. So you can call us. The number is one 877 ring. It's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four. Email the show money at mpbonline.org. dot org. Good morning, Ryder. Hope that you're doing well this morning.
2: Good morning, Kevin. Uh, what about some financial news in the news? Oh, boy. Uh, so this this year has been a year that reminds uh, folks that uh, while we invest in stocks to go up over the long term, they do not move up in a straight line and they sometimes go down. Um, we've talked about the volatility in the market a lot recently where kind of at the beginning of uh, October – uh, the market kind of fell off of its all-time highs quite a lot. And it's kind of bounced around in a little range since then. Uh, yesterday was down, again, quite a lot on, you know, we just, we'd just just like to make up a few reasons why it might have been down. Um, you know, maybe it was down because people were talking about tariffs. Maybe it was down because people were worried uh, about the Fed meeting coming up, which I believe starts today. We'll get minutes, um, or the rate decision tomorrow. Um, People may have been uh, concerned about slowdown in international markets. Um, people may have just been panicking over, oh no, did people buy enough? Uh, did people buy enough stuff uh, doing their holiday shopping? Uh, so things like that. Or if you if you are a fan of the old movie Trading Places, then you know you know the real reason might just be that. Everybody's doing their last-minute Christmas shopping and they're having to pull money out of their investment accounts for these large purchases. <laughs> um, classic movie. One of the best Christmas movies ever. Um, so the so market was down a lot yesterday. It's bounced back some today. Uh, and and the Fed meetings usually have a pretty big influence on the market. And the, the, the thing about it is those, uh, those meetings – they can be very ambiguous. Uh, you know, they can say, okay, we're going to raise rates because we think the economy is healthy. Uh, so, well, okay, they think the economy is healthy and they should know, so stocks go up, right? Yeah, well, sometimes they do. Uh, sometimes when they raise rates, then that means, oh, no, the cost of capital is getting more expensive. So stocks go down. Um, we're going to keep rates the same or cut rates. You know, again, the market can react either way, but it is typically a very strong influence on the market.
1: Um, just as a casual observer, it seems to me that sometimes the market reacts to s- something maybe ahead of time that, that, that some mm-hmm. that they think something's happening. Is that maybe people sort of trying to stay ahead of the curve?
2: Yeah, everyone's always everyone's always trying to guess um, to guess what's going to happen next because you know it's it's always oh you know if I can figure it out before everyone else does. And here's the thing, yeah, if if you are right about the direction of market before everyone else, you can make money doing that. Um, uh, people just don't realize that they are just one of millions or billions of market participants, and they're um, probably not first.
1: Okay. We are going to be uh, talking today about ways that you can save money in the new year. Uh, if you have some money-saving tips that you'd like to share with us, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can always email the show as well. Send it to money at org. But every Tuesday, we're also here to take your personal finance questions. And so we will start off this morning... Uh, Roxanne from Vicksburg has a question for us. Good morning, Roxanne. Go ahead, please.
3: Right, good morning. Thank you for your show.
1: Thank you.
3: Um, uh, and uh, my question has to do with where to... Um, I, I have a, uh, an RMD coming up mm-hmm. for my 403B account, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd like to know where to put it away at, while at the same time uh, you know, getting some interest on it, some return on it. Uh,
2: would I put it in a money market, or where would i put it um sure that's that's a great question, so just you know a little background for for the audience uh an r m d is a required minimum distribution once you hit the age seventy and a half, and if you have retirement accounts, you are required to start taking money out of them Yes, there are a few. A few little uh, things you can play around with, particularly on your first one. Uh, And it is when you're 70 and a half. People are always like, why when you're 70 and a half? Because that is the year in which you are mostly 70. So that's when it starts. Um, The calendar year in which you're mostly 70. So when you have to take this RMD, it's based on your life expectancy. And it starts out at around 4% of your account. And it slowly grows up until you're like 110 and you have to take... Half the account out, and then when you're 111, you have to take the whole account out, something like that. Um, <laughs> okay. But what to do? What to do with that money? Because you know, some people just use that money and they spend it. Because when you take it out, it counts as income. So you will need to set some aside for taxes if you don't have the taxes withheld. That's important. Um, but if you don't need to spend it immediately, you know, stick it in your bank account. Um, if you're looking to set it aside for a longer amount of time, um, maybe you. You, you know, you might use it in the next few years. Keeping it in cash or something like cash is important. Um, there are some bank account or money market yields I've seen uh, around 2% lately. If you're willing to stick it away in uh, something, you know, for even just a little bit longer, uh, some online CD yields are, you know, maybe around 3% at the four-year mark. And I think that gives you fairly good value. Um, if, if, if you want to keep it, you know, safe, tiny bit of interest, uh, but in cash, just in case you need it. Um, of course, if you just don't need this at all, if this is, you know, you've got all the income you need, you still manage to save. If you have outside investment accounts, you can just put it into an investment account. You can't put it back into that R, uh, IRA. Um, you can't put it into any sort of retirement account unless you're working. um, but you can't. You can invest it just in a regular investment account. If 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 it's if it's money you just don't think you're going to need for for a while.
3: Okay. Also, I read an article that if you wanted, uh, I, I started a scholarship in member of my parents
2: from mm-hmm.
3: my former high school, mm-hmm. and I I read that if uh, you one wanted to, one could uh, have that those funds taken directly mm-hmm. from the account. Uh, and put into like that kind of non-profit thing yes is that possible
2: Yes. So, uh, and the trick with that is, is you need to have that wherever your IRA or your 403B, as you said, wherever that is held, you need to have them send the check directly to the charity. It needs to be a recognized 501c3 charity. Um, you know, So presumably there's some charity administering that scholarship for you, unless you set up your own. Um, so that check needs to be sent directly from your account to there, uh, to that charity. And so, so that, When you receive, because whenever you take money out of 403B or an IRA or 401k type of account, that retirement account, you're going to get a 1099R. That's a tax filing. And whoever holds that money for you is going to just send you a note, says, hey, you took out X number of dollars. By the way, we also told the IRS. And what's important is that when they send you that, they note, you took out that number of dollars, we sent it directly to a charity. It'll just be a special code they put in there. And the benefit there is that it never gets counted in your income. So you don't have to pay taxes on it. But not only do you not have to pay taxes on it, um, two more things. It keeps your uh, your income lower, especially if you're being considered you know, taxability of Social Security income. That might be important. But also, now that the standard deduction is $12,000 – not a lot of, you know, even people who did generous charitable donations before, they might not be hitting that amount. So, uh-huh. if you're not going to be getting the standard deduction, then it might make more sense just to send that money directly from your IRA or 403b uh what have you directly to the charity. So it just never gets included on your income. It's kind of a kind of a a a double benefit there. Um and, and do do keep in mind you can you can send any amount to the charity. Uh, you can send your whole RMD. You can send half of it. You can send twice your RMD. It doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and and if you do send more, one benefit is it lowers that account value so that next year your RMD won't be quite as big or, or it will be smaller because of that. So.
3: Okay, one, one final question. Go for it. If you're on the board of that charity... <laughs> Can you still do it? Can you still contribute to it?
2: If you're on yeah. the board. As, as yeah, as as long as it's as long as it's a recognized um yeah, it's a nonprofit. 403C, uh, yeah, five one C three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's oh, totally fine. Oh, yeah. I uh, know. I've, I've I've been in a similar situation. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, that might help because sometimes um, sometimes when that happens, if it's not a charity, you know, if this custodian has done this sort of thing before, but they haven't sent it to that charity, being on the board, you can be like, well, if you have some paperwork, I can help you find the person to fill it out. You know, it makes it a little easier. All right. Uh, Roxanne, great call.
1: Thanks for kicking things off today on Money Talks. It's time for our first break of the hour. Uh, When we get back, we will continue talking about ways that you can save some money in the new year. And also, how often do you eat out? How does that compare to other parts of the country? We've got the statistics, and we'll give you those when we get back from this break. So stay tuned.
0: Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB Program Underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org underwriting. Whether you're a thrifty shopper or someone who likes to buy the whole store, Change is the program that will allow your purchases to show your support for the quality content on MPB Radio. This easy and no-hassle program rounds up your credit or debit card purchases to the nearest dollar and sends us the difference. You support MPB and get something nice for yourself. To sign up for change, visit our website, mpbonline.org, and click support. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. A reminder that if you missed part of this show or if you want to go back and listen to any of the previous episodes of Money Talks, you can go to mpbonline.org slash Talks to listen again. Also, don't forget about the MPB Public Media app. When you download that for your smartphone, you can listen to all of the shows on MPB Think Radio on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. And this morning we're talking about ways that you can save some money in the new year. Before the break, we talked about how expensive it is to eat out. And according to Zagat, respondents in the Dallas-Fort Worth area eat out most frequently with a total of seven times a week. That would be every day. While Orlando and Houston are right behind at 6.9 times per week, those in Minneapolis dine out the least at only 4.7 times per week for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's probably it's too cold to leave the house for things like that. <laughs> so, uh, but that's interesting. So I guess seven times a week it would actually be, if you're doing three
2: times a day, it would be 21. So it's not every day. But that, that, that not seems every, like... Not every meal. But, I mean, if that's your average for the city, man. So, I mean, there's people out there who are doing 21 meals. Or maybe a, like 20. Maybe they skip breakfast that's, on that, that seems
1: like a lot. I thought I used to eat out a it lot. It seems I like a if, lot. I've cut back, though. I've tried to brown bag my... My lunch now to try to save on some money. So I'm uh, happily enjoying my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> there you go. Um, so uh, let's talk about some things. By the way, our phone number, if you would uh, like to call in with a personal finance question or if you have a money-saving tip that's successful you, for you that you'd like to share with us, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email. send it to money at mpbonline dot org so uh, time.com has a couple of suggestions to try to uh, save some money uh, for the new year. Uh, one of them, and this is a popular thing amongst a lot of folks is to cut the cord, so you know to drop your cable. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, so one thing you all—it's a big. People always talk about how how great this is, how much money you can save, because some people's cable bills can be can be insane, especially if you know you're adding lots of packages. You know, you're adding your sports package or your movie package or whatnot. Um, there's a couple of things to keep in mind here. A lot of people talk about cutting the cord and then end up, you know, replacing it with you know, so many services, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, what have you, that they're all of a sudden paying the same amount because you still have to have that internet service. And, you know, particularly if you're streaming a lot of stuff, you might actually have to get a better, faster internet service. Um, So that's something to watch out for. You know, is that cost actually going to be lower? And it might just be like, you know what, I'm tired of ESPN and I prefer Netflix. Well, in that case, yeah, absolutely ditch the ESPN for the Netflix. Um, Another thing is, you know, for, uh, especially, especially in the sports, uh, field, let's get, Ooh, that was another sports point. I was going to avoid saying arena, but <laughs> in the sports watching arena or field or pitch, uh, as you may, then, you know, it's not easy to get that outside of live television. And and, and so if, if, if that's what you enjoy and that's what you like, it's not going to make it easy for you. It's, it, to to take that away. Um, you know, sometimes when we're talking about money, you know, especially if you're in a hard situation, you know, we do talk about, you know, you, you got to make sacrifices. But but sometimes if you can actually afford it and this is the thing that you want, then part of the reason we have money is to do the things that we want. So I, you know, I don't want to say to somebody who's who's a sports fanatic be like, well, you're just going to have to stop watching football and then you can retire on time. No, we're going to look at something else. So, so think about what you're really getting out of your cable and what you really want and then start comparing the prices. So, so make make sure you're getting what you want and what's going to keep, keep, help you stick to that program first.
1: Also, I will say that in my instance, because I have uh, AT&T for both uh, my phone, Internet, and uh, U-Verse, That I get a bundle, so I get a discount that way. So that's one thing. And then also, uh, if you're maybe trying to cut costs but don't want to completely cut the cable cord, Mm -hmm. uh, you could opt down to us. like right now, I think I have the 300-channel package. I could bump down to the 200-channel package, (laughs) which is still – 8 million more channels than I actually watch. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really wish, and I know that it's probably never happened, that cable would go to a la carte where they just, I want this one, I want this one, I want this one, uh, but that's not the way it works.
2: Yeah, just just pick out your shows at the beginning of the week, make your own schedule, and then it just, just One from column A in. and one from column B. Yeah.
1: <laughs> also, I think, too, in my case, I, I like using the DVR a lot, and so... I think there are some devices mm-hmm. that have that, but that's another thing that you could would want to consider if you do a lot of time shifting uh, watching. You might uh, k- uh, keep that in mind as well. Yep. Uh, the other uh, suggestion from Time uh, is to switch your cell phone plan, um, and so I guess you could uh, look around. Um, although, as as you mentioned with with streaming and that sort of thing, uh, I, I guess the the data portion of a cell phone plan is becoming more important. But I guess it's mm-hmm. you know that would be something to. Uh, I guess that's one of those things that you might want to periodically review. How mm-hmm. much am I spending? Am I really utilizing this tra- track? How much,
2: you know, data you are using and that sort of thing. And, and maybe see if there is a cheaper alternative. Oh uh, Absolutely. And, and cell phones are still something that is still very competitive uh, for plans. And so it, it's, it's totally possible to find, you know, a better deal. And then, then there's a lot of flexibility in plans, you know, family plan. I'm on a family plan and, and, you know, it costs me like $35 a month. And it's it's not unlimited, but it takes care of whatever I need. Um, but I know folks who are paying, you know, 90 or or $100 a month, and I don't know that they're getting in particular more for their money. Um, so cell phone plans, still competitive, uh, switching carriers, or even within the same carrier, you know, just call them, they can look at your usage and maybe make a suggestion. Um, that also goes with bundling as well. I know um, some folks who have you know, AT and T. You know, they do both uh, home internet service uh, and cell phone service. You know, uh, C Spire around here. You can do home internet. They've got cell phone service. They've got TV service. So there are ways to bundle there and save money. Um, family plans help you save money. Also, one big thing with cell phone service nowadays is it bundles the cost of your phone into your monthly plan. So simply not buying the new phone right when it comes out can save you money. Um, you know, just think, you know, if I'm paying, you know, I bought a fancy phone, I'm paying 50 bucks a month for it. Well, once that lease or contract on the phone is up, then for every month that I just keep the same phone, I'm saving $50 a month. And and that's I mean that that's significant.
1: Also, again for AT&T who I'm with, uh, they told me when I bought my new phone that <clears throat> If you want to, you can specify. Uh, you can make an extra payment and say, "I want this to go for the cost of my phone," uh, and that would obviously would cut down your monthly payment. But also, so if you, you know, maybe if you have a tax return, uh, you've got some extra money from that. Maybe, you know, save some, but that portion of the, your tax return that you said you're allowed to spend, you know, pay off your phone, and again, lowers your bill, uh, gets that quicker. And as you, a great point. Once yeah. you pay off the phone, then you've got that same phone service, and it's just that much cheaper each month. <clears throat> we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning, also any money saving tips that you'd like to share with us. The phone number is one eight seven seven m p b ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two 7464 four. we're working from a list from time.com on ways uh, to save some money in 2019 actually uh, the title is 101 ways to make $1000 more than you did in 2018 uh, so that's an ambitious goal but uh, we're coming up with some ideas that you might consider um, when it comes to cost of living one of the things they suggest is to get a roommate any thoughts on that
2: um i i have i have a roommate and i've had multiple roommates in the past, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, and, and a couple of things that, you know, this is, look, this isn't appropriate for everyone, but, um, you know, people often, I know a lot of folks who they're like, okay, you know, I hit, I'm 24 now. Like I'm I'm past having roommates. It's like, okay, but you know, just understand what you're getting into financially if you're going to live by yourself. Um, or, you know, just don't think it's, it's weird, culturally you know it's like it's not a weird thing for someone to be in their 30s with a roommate this is this is fine um also i think people are doing a lot now is is short-term rentals um having having one room you keep open for airbnb or home away or vrbo wh- whatever it is uh, that you used to rent to folks coming through town for a couple of days a week on vacation or traveling and so you don't necessarily have to have a roommate roommate um, but you can use that extra space that you're already paying for in your house uh for income um and another thing with having a roommate you know, particularly when you're younger and you you know you spend a lot of time with your roommates is is y'all can save money doing things together um you know me and my roommates we we share meals uh we you know give each other rides places um you know we do similar activities around town so so it does make it you know easier to save money in other areas. I think it's a great idea. um, But just in a more general sense, uh, think of think of the space you're living in and think of how you can either use that space more efficiently or or generate extra income out of that space.
1: So just curious, would you prefer a roommate that you uh, someone you already have some sort of existing relationship with or
2: some person that you maybe put an ad out for? I like the kind of friend of a friend, Um, you know, someone who comes, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think it's a great idea to move in with my best friend um, because, you know, I value that relationship and anything that goes wrong, it might be a problem. Uh, But if that best friend were to recommend somebody and say, you know, this is someone who I actually think you would get along with. Um, any problems I have with that person is not going to interfere with an already existing relationship. And also, generally speaking, you know, I have my friends because I like them and I like their taste. and And uh, if they provide a good recommendation, that's usually good enough for me.
1: And um, <clears throat> I, I own a house. So if I were to do it, I mean, I would. There would be no uh, lease. To, well, there would be no uh, rules, but.
2: No rules. I'm moving in, Kevin. I'm sure. No rules. <laughs> there would be no
1: tenant. Well, no, because I'd be the limit. I don't know exactly could, what I'm trying to say. Here. Uh,
2: so, yeah, um, you can have uh, a sort of lease agreement with a roommate. Um, you know, if you, if you know someone who rents out houses or you are – you know, have a have a lawyer, friend who could kind of, you know, maybe you, it's it's not going to be necessarily as involved as a as a you know a tenancy contract, but you do want to have, um, you at the very least, you want to set expectations in the beginning about you know this is my house, like these are my rules, and uh, fortunately, at least in Mississippi, we're pretty um, landlord friendly, so you can kind of say whatever you want to them, and they have to go along with it. But you want to be very clear and in writing about you know what is the cost, when is that expected to pay, like uh, what are we doing about shared living space? Um, you know what are we doing about you having uh, friends over like where who has the who has decision making authority in the house things like that you do want to be very clear about, and it is a useful thing to look through you know look through some examples of leases. Uh, just to see what are issues they cover that maybe I hadn't thought about
1: thank you cuz sort of that's what i was trying to get at was mm-hmm. that even if it's not an official lease of, of, with someone you need to have an agreement uh, as you said what's expected what how we the rent the, how will the expenses be shared uh, when i had a roommate I, we just had a very simple little contract and mm-hmm. every month that he paid me the the rent money we had a little thing and we signed it both got a copy of it and that sort of thing uh, and i think that that will prevent uh, you know some just financial problems and also this might be more for uh, relatively speaking that comes on but. This morning at 11. Uh, But, uh, you know, if if your roommate does things that gets on your nerves, don't not say anything. I remember uh, Mm. my roommate at one time was working at Walmart and he was working the overnight shift. So I remember one morning I hear this banging and I Mm. wake up, you know, at some early hour of the morning and he had gone grocery shopping and he was putting a bunch of groceries in the Mm. refrigerator. So, you know... I, I think I think I think in my prob what I did was I didn't say anything about it and things built up but I think if you just say hey remember right. you know yeah. I know that you're just getting up getting off work but remember I'm asleep blah 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 that kind of thing uh so you know uh remember that there there's that human element to it as well in terms of uh trying to get along so that you can keep getting that extra money that they're paying you uh, for rent Absolutely all right, time for another break. Uh, when we get back, we will continue talking about money-saving tips for the new year. Uh, could you save some money on your heating and cooling expenses? We've got a tip on that for you when we come back. Also, we're looking for your personal finance questions. Give us a call. The number is one mpb ring It's 1-877-672-7464. Back with more after this.
0: MPB would like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting to find out how. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money
1: Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today we're talking about ways to uh, save some money, maybe make a – as the uh, uh, title of the article that we use for our source material here today suggests, make an an extra $1,000 in the new year. Uh, And that's the thing about money-saving tips is they're little things, Ryder, but when you kind of add up the little that you save here and the little that you save there, it can make a significant difference when you kind of look at the whole picture. Right. Uh, So we asked about or we said we would give you a tip on saving money on your heating and cooling. And boy, do we have one. (laughs) You can save as much as 10 percent a year on heating and cooling by simply turning your I love this simply turning your thermostat back 7 to 10 degrees for 8 hours a day from its normal setting.
2: And I want to know Kevin, how how high do you have to be running your heat in the winter for like 10 degrees to be like, you know what, that's that's a you know I could knock it down from 96 to 80. You know what, that's not a big deal to me. For for 10 degrees to only be 10%, you have to be using your AC in some very extreme ways, I feel. And also, I'll say that in the winter time, when you're using the heat,
1: I think it's easier to maybe cut back. You could, you know, wear a light jacket around the house if you needed to, or whatever. Sure. But especially in Mississippi in the summertime, I don't, I don't see how you could boost it up ten degrees and still be comfortable. That's that's wild to me.
2: Um, but I, I will say, general money savings suffer around uh, heating and AC. And if any of my roommates are listening, they'll probably call and say, "Well, you just you need to run more heat in the winter, sir." Um, but you, a program thermostat mm-hmm. um they are not that expensive to get and it can make a huge difference um and in fact there's a lot of programs with either your electricity or gas company may offer a program where they will just give you one they'll you know a perfectly serviceable uh um programmable thermostat they also have programs where they'll give you more efficient lights but we're talking about um heating and ac- uh heating and cooling right now A programmable thermostat, you can do things like you can set it so that, you know, you can have the house a different temperature for when you are asleep, from when you are away at work, and from when you are home in the evening. Um, And so, you know, for instance, in the winter, um, you know, I sleep with a lot of blankets on the bed. I don't need the heat running in the winter. In fact, if the vent is right above my head and if the heat runs, it'll wake me up and I'll like... It will it will be a nightmare. Um, so it's better for me to sleep, you know, in the in the cold with a lot of blankets. So it it won't run at all at night. Um, it'll run a little bit in the morning so that I don't have to wake up into a cold house. Uh, it won't run during the day, uh, and then it'll come back on before I get home so that it's 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 warm for when I get home, and and so. Essentially, for about 12 to 16 hours of the day, it's not even running. So I don't have to maintain my house at a constant temperature. It actually fluctuates quite a lot. But, um, but I am not running the AC all the time. I'm not running the heat all the time. And, of course, you know, obviously do a similar thing in, in the winter. But programmable thermostats, they're inexpensive and your, your gas or electric company might have some sort of rebate or offer you a free one, something like that. And I think
1: that you've hit on it. That's how you really could get away with the 10 degrees because you're right. If you set it to where, you know, you leave work at eight o'clock, so at eight o'clock it goes from whatever to minus 10 or plus 10, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, in a half an hour or so before you get home, jack it back up to where you want it. Yeah,
2: maybe that's what they mean by, you know, changing at 10 degrees. Yeah, I mean, that that to me seems about the only way.
1: Uh, The only thing I would worry about would be. Your pets, which you know, uh, you might want to adjust it slightly, but that is a good way uh, to save on some uh, your energy bills with that programmable uh, yeah, thermostat. Yeah. So, got a couple of calls to get to. Let's start in Beaumont. Our friend Sue is on the line. Good morning, Sue. You're on the air with us.
4: Hi. How are y'all doing? Good. I have a couple of suggestions. First of all, I'd <laughs> like to make a comment about having roommates. Yes. Mm-hmm. I watch those legal shows on TV all the time. I have to <laughs> they're about your dog go off leash that attacks other dogs or other people. And half the cases are about roommates, and uh it's all it's all bad news, you know?
2: Well, maybe maybe you should call into the legal show before taking a roommate. <laughs> that's uh, I guess that's something we didn't think about.
4: All kinds of things go wrong when you have somebody living with you. But anyway, this is my suggestion. Make a grocery list and stick to it, and stay out of the grocery store, because I might go in to get a loaf of bread and a gallon milk and come out with $40 worth of groceries.
2: <laughs> oh, that's, that is absolutely a fantastic idea. You are absolutely right about that.
4: Eat at home. Yes. Yep. Stop smoking. I hear that cigarettes are over $5 a pack now, so that ought to kick some people in behind about stopping smoking, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to make one come. I have a direct TV and only watch 10 or 11 channels. I wish there was some uh, TV uh, cable company that would let you pick out what you want and not have to pay for all this other stuff.
1: I'm with you on that one, Sue. Hey, Sue, thanks for the call. Great tips there. Uh, and she did mention, I, I kind of agree, because I'm, a, I hate to admit, but a fan of a lot of those Judge shows as well, although I always scream at the television because I really don't like Judge Judy, but I watch her show all the time. One of the crazy things about TV, I guess. But anyway, <clears throat> and there are a lot of roommate disputes on there, but mm-hmm. we did say there what that's why you really should have some sort of written agreement. What's expected yeah. of me? What's expected of
2: you? That sort of thing. And I think that way, at least if something does go wrong, you've got some sort of thing to fall back on. And, and also... Uh, uh, you know, if it's just kind of like you really don't like the person, you know, make it clear that I can kind of kick you out at any time. Of course, there's going to be some legal limits on that. But as long as I think as long as you have it in writing or clear on the front and are kind of generous enough, it's not like I can kick you out with five minutes notice. Um, then then that shouldn't be too big of a problem
1: right and especially if you're both if both roommates are going to like an apartment where you have to sign a lease I would say make sure that everybody is right. on the lease yes that you that's certainly a, don't want to be the one stuck with the lease
2: well and, and if you're doing that do make sure you understand you know talk to talk to your the whoever's doing the lease for you um, what happens if if one of you does want to split you know who's responsible for what
1: all right another caller is on the line it's uh, Allison and Jackson good morning Allison you're on the air with us go ahead
5: Okay, this one's a little bit different. Um, I have taken out a 5% loan against my 401k, and, of course, in order to avoid the 10% penalty, I've got to pay it back within a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. So I'm saving up money to pay it back within a certain amount of time. And as you probably know, you can't pay pay it back in installments. It has to be, at least with my company, you have to pay it back all at once, the exact amount. So I have to be disciplined enough to save this money over here on the side and and build it up until I can pay back the whole $15,000. Yeah. My question, yeah, my question is, is should I turn off my contributions to my 401k so that I can pocket that money over in my savings? Or should I continue to contribute even as I save money to pay back this 401k loan?
2: Okay, so that's a little weird um, because typically – and I mean, of course, uh, companies have a a lot of leeway when they set up a 401K and how you're allowed to pay these back. That's a little weird that they require you to only pay it back in a lump sum. Um, If I would – You know, if I was if that was the first time I was told that I would ask somebody to double and triple check that for me and show me in the plan document where it said that because what I have seen before is actually just it's 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 actually super useful because they will do the deferring for you. You know, you can say, um, you know, I took out this loan. Okay, it's going to take one hundred dollars a month for three years. Well well, please withhold $100 a month for the next three years from my for, uh, from my contributions. Uh, so if you're sure about that, then I am uh, – okay. whether or not to stop your deferrals is going to just depend on how you can afford it. Look at what that lump sum you're going to have to pay is. Look at when you're going to have to pay it, and you're just going to have to look at your own budget – um, you know, if, if there is just no other place to get that extra hundred dollars or you know, however much you yeah. need, yeah, unfortunately, the, that deferral might be the only place. Um, but if you can find it somewhere else, that's great. Um, typically, I like to see folks doing their 401k automatically 10 or more percent just automatically in the background so that they never have to think about it. They never have to interrupt it. And, and it's always there. Um, but uh, you know, if push comes to shove and um, you, look, you've taken out a, a loan against your 401k, push has come to shove. Then, mm-hmm. you know, just look very carefully at your budget and, and, and just and say, you know, can I continue doing it? Um, yeah. and what I would say, you know, afterwards, once you get that paid off, then you, then what you can do, you know, for all this amount you've been saving before, as long as you've taken care of kind of emergency savings, because one, you know, if you have a healthy emergency savings account, then you don't have to take a loan, you know, build that back up. But then also continue, you know, say you've been putting aside a total of $200 a month for this, uh, then you can, you know, you know, first put that into emergency savings so you got that at a decent level. And then um, put, put, put maybe not that whole thing but try to do more into your 401k you know try to do more than you Mm. were doing before just to kind of build up some of that but um yeah yeah so i mean just for folks out there um you know that you know this is this is this is why we have emergency savings and i mean sometimes that's not enough and a 401k loan is can sometimes be a good option and um but just understand what you're getting into and and when you have to when you take it out have a plan for paying it back because, again, you don't want that like bonus 10 percent penalty on top, um, right. like you said.
5: Thank you very much. All right, sure Allison, thing.
2: thanks for
1: your call. And I would also maybe suggest uh, if you can find maybe some room in your budget to cover half maybe of what you needed, then perhaps you wouldn't have to completely do away with your monthly contribution, but maybe just cut it back while you're repaying the loan. Right. Uh, we got another caller on the line. So we say good morning to Hugh from Ocean Springs. Hugh, you're on the air with us. Go ahead.
6: Yes. Good morning. Uh, my question is a follow up from the first caller this morning, the woman that was talking about donating donations, to charitable organizations. Yes. And uh, <clears throat> I understand that uh, the, as you said, the uh, personal d- deduction or individual deduction is, is doubled to twelve thousand. Yes. Okay. So, and, and I used to donate. I still do donate to charities and stuff, mm-hmm. but. My understanding is I'm going to have to have more than twelve thousand dollars in deductions to itemize. Correct. Okay.
2: So, and and keep in mind the things that go under itemized deductions. Uh, the the big ones for folks are going to be um, uh, charitable contributions, um, mortgage interest and also uh state and local taxes so uh, um which you know people always often forget about uh your property taxes that you pay uh, uh, all the way up to uh state taxes you can either uh do uh consumption tax like um sales tax they have a sales tax calculator for you uh because you probably didn't keep track of that yourself um no. or or, or yes, state very small. yeah very well, you know, so they base it on your income. So if you're actually really frugal, it comes out you come out ahead there because they calculate a higher amount. Um oh. So if all of those are not going to add up to twelve thousand dollars or more, then itemizing isn't going to make sense. And oh. what make what might make sense is moving those charitable. Uh, Moving those charitable dedu- uh, contributions to your IRA where it just won't be counted as income. Because here, if you think about it this way, say you have, you know, um, two thousand dollars of, of, of taxes to deduct. You've got uh, two thousand dollars of mortgage interest to deduct, and four thousand dollars of of charitable contributions. You know, last year with the standard deduction being $6,000, you had $8,000 of deductions. And that was great. You could itemize. Cool. Got it. Um, This year, it's only $8,000 of of itemized deductions. It doesn't make sense to itemize. So you want to take that standard deduction. But then if you put those charitable contributions out of your IRA, you're reducing your income by $4,000. So all of a sudden, that's $16,000. That you've taken yeah. off of off of your tax forms, um, so it ends up. You know, it, it's kind of nice doing it that way because because you you can have have your cake and eat it too if your cake is your charitable deductions and eating it is getting your your tax deduction for it. You know, you you get you get like both. You idea. get it on both ends. It's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. All right, you okay? Preci- and, Preci- I have,
6: and then and then a follow up also. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I also contribute. To uh, let's see, so I'm retired and I get, and I get a pension and out of my pension, I write a check to the post tax. Is that a 403b?
2: Um, it could be in any sort of plan, a, a post tax plan.
6: You know that, I, that I'm paying it on money that's already. I'm I'm contributing to it with money that's already been taxed.
2: Yes, I count
6: that as a deduction.
2: Uh, no. Okay. No, the, so, I mean, that kind of, it's, um... So that's kind of weird. I'm not 100% sure how you, that situation, your specific situation is working. But um, just again, for a kind of general audience, we often talk about the difference between a tax deferred, like a 401k, an IRA, where when you put money into it, it reduces your income for tax purposes. And then we also yeah. talk about a Roth, which is where you pay taxes on it, and then you put money in, and you never have to pay tax on it again. The, that's what I have. The post-tax, well, so that may be it. But there is also kind of a middle ground of a post tax. It was uh, it, it's you don't I don't see these very often. This is kind of an older type where it allowed you to do more than just the deferral side, but it was before they had the Roth side, which is like vastly superior to everything. Um, it allowed you to put money in after paying taxes, so you wouldn't have to pay money on pay tax on that money again, but the income and growth you got to defer. I'm pretty sure I'm saying all this right. If we have a CPA listening uh, who knows more about those after-tax plans, let me know. Um, and that might be what's allowing you to do it in retirement because with the uh, traditional and the Roth IRAs, you're only allowed to contribute if you have earned income. And um, generally speaking, retirement. Retirement income, like a pension and Social Security, does not count as earned income. But there may be some sort of thing in your pension plan that allows you to do do some after-tax.
6: Well, when I was working, I contributed. uh, I had it deducted from my check.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
6: and uh, to lower it. And then since I've quit working, I've just kept contributing. You know, I'm not working, so they can't deduct it from my check. Yeah, out of my pension, I write a check into my. Post-tax
2: retirement e- account. Yeah, post-tax. I may, I may have said pre-tax. I may have said the wrong thing there. No, um, no, you said both. Oh, did, did I, I get I had, Okay. I
6: had both. I had, I had both. Now I only have the post-tax. And I was wondering if I could count that contribution to my post-tax as a way to lower my income since I'm putting in it. You know, sometimes you can deduct
1: certain health
2: expenses. No, I mean, because that is post-tax. I mean, it is it is after considering the taxes due on it. You know
1: all right Hugh, uh, we appreciate your call. We need to take a final break this hour when we get back. we will continue uh, uh, sharing with some saving tips for the new year, uh, including one that will help you uh, control your spending in retail situations. And still time for you to work in your personal finance question at 1 1877 MPB ring. Our phone number is 18776727464. Ron's on the line from Jackson. Ron will get to your call after this break. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back after this.
0: Whether traveling through Oxford or Tupelo, stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian, or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs, MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along, too. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MTV Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here
1: with Ryder Tap, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been talking about ways uh, to save money for the new year, maybe put an extra $1,000 in your pocket in the new year. Uh, Our last tip of the day comes from Experian.com, and it's suggesting when uh, retail shopping to use the 48-hour rule. So instead of dropping a specific want into your shopping basket, you write down the item's name and price on a notepad. Give yourself 48 hours to think about a specific purchase decision and its impact on your monthly budget. (laughs) During the 48-hour period, ask yourself if you really need the item and if it's really worth it to you. Most of the time, the 48-hour rule
2: will help you be more objective with your buying decisions. I'm a fan of that. You know, one big thing, you know, especially with, uh, you know, online retailers, they just make it so easy to just buy something immediately. You know, they offer you free shipping, um and so it's just like well it just doesn't cost me anything to have this whatever sent to me right now um so just any any restraint uh any restraint in your spending uh any self reflection that you have in your spending uh is very useful
1: that's interesting that you brought that up because I just checked my email during that last break and I got something. I'm on some mailing list. and Did it says, you already
2: buy something? No, no,
1: no, no. I didn't. didn't. But it says free shipping when you spend $125 oh, yeah. or more.
2: Oh, yeah. And so it was like, well, I wasn't thinking about spending $125, but now that I can get free shipping. Right, right. I was only spending, thinking about spending <laughs> 65 now, but I'll buy it twice. All right. Uh, Ron is on the line from Jackson. Ron, you're up next. Go ahead, please.
7: Uh, Good morning. Morning. A couple of ways, uh, subtle ways that I've found that I've uh, saved money is uh, through my insurance. I've increased the deductibles on them, so I save a little bit more on the premiums. Mm -hmm. The car insurance and the home insurance. Another way is I pay my credit cards off at the end of every month, so I don't Mm -hmm. I save the interest there. Very good. And, and also, on my house note, I make a few extra payments, so I save a little bit uh, there as well. So those are just some ways. But I have job one, job. one, one quick question. Uh, I have an IRA and a Roth IRA, mm-hmm. and I'm, I want to transfer that to my son sometimes in the future, probably 10, 15 years. Uh, and I know I don't have to take uh, withdrawals from it, but when I transfer it, he does. But how does that work? Uh, can I leave that to him and he continue to make uh contributions to
2: it um you generally transfer a Roth IRA when you die um so right. that's not really ideal uh for you while you're alive here um but a couple of things I mean he can open up his own Roth IRA so long as he has earned income um then you can con- open up and contribute to your own Roth IRA um as far as just passing it on while you're alive, not easy and not ideal. Um but and when he inherits it um he will have to start making withdrawals from it based on his lifetime. It it's a little bit weird uh with an inherited Roth IRA, but he can, you know, he would otherwise have that account. And he wouldn't pay taxes on it when he withdrew that money either, but he would have to withdraw from it. But y you, you know you can
7: as soon as he inherited, he'll have to make withdrawals as soon as he inherited?
2: Yeah, I'm not. The rule is something like within uh, within the first full calendar year, or uh, just depending on when you die in the year, if it would be that year or the next year. I'm not 100% on those rules there, but he would have to start making withdrawals uh, based on his lifetime. Uh, so, say, you know, he is. Uh, 40 years old when he inherits it and has a 50 year life expectancy. And uh, he would have to withdraw one 50th or about 2% of the account in that first year. And that would just increase a little bit every year uh, how much he has to withdraw. Of course, if he had his own Roth IRA, then he he doesn't ever have to actually, doesn't ever actually have to withdraw money. Um, And keep in mind, any of those withdrawals um, that he would be making for that inherited IRA uh, should be tax-free. There are a few weird rules around there, but should be tax-free. Um, another thing you can do is if he has earned you know, maybe he makes money but doesn't make enough to contribute to his own Roth IRA, you can take, you know, you can contribute to a Roth IRA for him that, that's in his name. They don't really care where who writes the check uh, so long as he is – eligible to make those contributions.
1: All right, Ron, thanks for the call. We have run out of time for this hour. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash moneytalks. Our show was engineered today by Java Chapman. So for Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks Only on MPD Think Radio.